Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, this is Dr. Hacky Reitman with another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And do we have a different brain for you today? Her name is Elizabeth Wilkinson, and she's the founder of the Dyslexic Dyslexia Consultants. Ellie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me and inviting me. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you on here. And uh, uh, first, tell us about yourself, because I'm going to just start talking about how great it was to meet you and how our funny exchanges and everything. And, and oh, we're going to have fun because you should be the poster girl for huh. neurodiversity. I'll bet you got a million labels. So go ahead, Ellie. Tell us about you. So Elizabeth Wilkinson, or Ellie for short, um, I'm dyslexic, autistic, and I found out I was autistic six years ago. Um, found out I was dyslexic. Well, I'm 43 now. I found out I was dyslexic when I was 28, I think it was, um, or 30. I can't remember. Anyway, longer than I've known about the autism. Both labels have, have meant quite a lot to me understanding myself and how I work, particularly the autism diagnosis. I've been a lot nicer to myself since finding out. However... The Dyslexic Dyslexia Consultant started in 2007, January, so we've just turned nine. And my passion is to educate everybody around me about dyslexia, raise awareness, and make people aware. Well, I can't tell you how great it is because you are just full of positive energy and you're doing great stuff. And you may be the world's authority on autistic, dyslexic, people who live in England. <laughs> now, I want to know how to pronounce the name of that town you're in. Telford, Shropshire. Now, I want you to say Shropshire 10 times fast. Can you do that? Shropshire, 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 Shropshire. Oh, you're good. You are good. <laughs> I have lived here for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, over here, we're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and my folks had a gas station in Jersey City when I was growing up, and I still have the Jersey City accent. And uh, all I can tell you about the English is, when I played rugby for 11 years up in Boston, their teams used to come over and kick our butt, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we've got a local rugby team. <laughs> yes, they, uh, they, you do. Um, Dad used to play rugby. Oh, is that right? What position was he? Do you know offhand? No idea, but I remember the only time I've seen him cry was on the way to the hospital when he'd broken his uh, collar, collarbone. I'd got him one way, one guy got him the other way, and like, yeah, he heard the crack. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, so what were the issues that led to your diagnoses, Ellie? For autism. Well, let's start with dyslexia, and then we'll get <laughs> um, to the other. Well, my mum had always thought that I was. And when Why? I was a second, Why did she think you were dyslexic? Uh, I would imagine she would say because of the difference between my academic attainments and my um, IQ, vocabulary, interests, etc. So in other words, you were pretty smart, but you weren't doing good in school. Yeah, I've got a mum with an IQ of 163, so I come from good stock. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't even that. count that high. <laughs> Let's talk about your brain from the vantage point of your first level, dyslexia, because you are the dyslexic dyslexia consultant. I am. I do what I say on the tin as the, um, the, the ad goes. Um, 
I just I work with dyslexics and I, I train people about dyslexia. And what I find is when I'm working with a dyslexic on a one-to-one or in a small group, if I, when I tell them I'm dyslexic, I can physically see them relax because they finally got somebody who will understand or at least knows where they're coming from. So, you know, they, they get it. They get that I get it. And I, and I also understand that, as you say, everybody's different. So that always helps. And I like recycling ideas. You know, you, you say to somebody, try this idea, but don't just think you've got to use that idea in itself. You can change it and adapt it to suit yourself. So. Have you always been so bubbly and outgoing? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's great. And and um, so you, you were diagnosed and then... What did you do, like what tips can you give our audience that how you overcame the challenges? In all honesty, I, I did a course to find out about dyslexia because I thought my son was. And from there, everything made sense. I knew the answers to questions. I understood the topics. I was getting good grades for my assignments because I understood the subject. So I... Personally, I'd done a lot of research. I'd done a lot of reading around dyslexia, and I came across a book by Dr. Tilly Mortimer, who is my idol, I have to say, when it comes to dyslexia. And it was her first book about dyslexia and learning styles that I learned about the three core deficits of dyslexia. So I learned about short-term memory difficulties, automaticity difficulties, and phonological difficulties. And they made sense, and I understood about myself. So for me my advice to people is find out how something affects you and how that impacts on your everyday life you are so passionate in helping other people it is truly inspiring and so is the name the dyslexic dyslexia consultant i love that love it my dad said name the business that is something that people will know what you do just by the title and you'll be amazed how many people say so what do you do then? <laughs> so really? Read it again. <laughs> Very cool. Now, something that many in our audience would like to know, because we're, we're actually meeting people from all over the world and all over the United States, but explain to our audience what do you perceive to be a big difference, if any, with neurodiversity in England and neurodiversity in the United States? Based on what I see on Twitter, Facebook, and a few interactions is that, uh, and I don't know if this is true or not, I'm, I'm wondering if we're a little bit more advanced on provision in the UK, because it seems to be you're fighting a lot with the states to get it recognised in schools. Well, it's kind of getting recognised, but it's very discouraging that our political system is just kind of cutting back on things and there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of new rules that have come up, which, frankly, I don't understand. And I was just at a meeting at one of our universities here trying to understand it, and I still don't. But it's not, it's not accepted generally that, look, all of our brains are different. Let's stop one size fits all. Let's give people the help they need to be productive and to do all these good things. And uh, what's the political situation over there? Um, it, 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 we've had cuts to funding the same as yourself um, and we have a, a pot of funding over here called Access to Work um, for, for adults that are working. So if you're 
um, labelled as disabled, um, which of course over here, dyslexia or autism is all under that label. Um, you can access funding to help you keep you in work um, for different software support and things like that. Um, the trouble is, every time something like this is successful, they change the way it works. So just as you get used to, you make a phone call, you see somebody, that's the process. And of course, for autism, that's an issue if they change the process halfway through. Um, so. This, there's a lot of funding cuts. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent now. I've just realised. So the situation is there's a lot of funding cuts. Um, and I don't know that we we have the um, Equality Act 2010 and employers, schools, education establishments are supposed to make reasonable adjustments. However, a parent's idea of a reasonable adjustment and an employer's idea of a reasonable adjustment are different to... Um, school's ideas or an employee's ideas. So it's a case of working together and trying to find the most cost-effective ways to support people. What made you to decide to dedicate your life to helping others with dyslexia and spreading awareness and giving them tools to use and everything? A combination of a, a few things. The first one was um, finding finding something that I really enjoyed, which was learning about dyslexia, learning about teaching. Again, when I was doing my teacher training, I was getting A grades and we have to do a basic skills course um, or, or tests within those sessions. And interestingly, I was getting A grades on my assignments for teaching and a couple of other people I knew who were getting lower grades than that scored very highly on their basic skills. However, I didn't score quite so high on my basic skills. So that it just gave me proof that it actually, yes, basic skills are important, but the test scores aren't the be all and end all. It's what you can actually do that is the thing. So I had a really bad teacher on my first teacher training who made me feel awful and made me feel like I was back at school. And then I had a really, really good teacher called Michelle Dawes on the second course, and she became my mentor as I went on and got more qualified. So she was somebody I aspired to be like, and I always aspire to make my students feel how she made me feel. She made me just, yeah, she, she was very passionate and very good. So that was down to my experience with Michelle, learning about something I wanted to do. And then also the support I got from a lovely lady called Kate Edwards, who tested my son for dyslexia, supported me, helped me through my dyslexia qualifications because she could see that I got it. I just needed to get it onto paper. Um, then experiencing that and that feeling of success and happiness made me realise, well, if I can do it, then I can support other people to do that and have that same feeling. So I endeavour to make people feel how Michelle made me feel and I endeavour to make people feel that passion and excitement with what they do. That is just so wonderful. That's very inspiring, really. And, and now tell us how that translates into what you do at the Dyslexic Dyslexia Consultant. What do you do? <laughs> what do I do? Well, I do paid work i train people for um in specific learning differences so dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia also includes some adhd in there mears Erlen syndrome so train teachers trainers staff members in companies about dyslexia and the other things and, and what the basics are so they can recognize those and the people they're working with and see the similarities and the differences and start to understand and inevitably 
everybody will sit there and say, oh, yeah, but I do that. That doesn't make me dyslexic or it doesn't make me ADHD. And you're like, no, but it's the combination of those symptoms that are lifelong in their effects. You don't just fall asleep reading a book because you're tired. You fall asleep reading a book because it's exhausting if you've got Meersalian syndrome, etc. Um, remind me of the question because I've gone oh, off on no, a tangent. No, that was very good because what you're really saying is that the dyslexic dyslexia consultant helps a lot more people than simply someone with a label of dyslexia because you get neurodiversity. So you're going in and training companies and trainers about basically every kind of neurodiversity. Do I have that correct? Yeah. So I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I am good at picking up um, similarities and things that people need to know that will then help them do their job. So, I, for example, I've, I've worked with the local um, Shropshire Fire and Rescue Service. I've trained um, their trainers on dyslexia and specific learning differences. Similarly, I've also trained 498 trainers at RAF Cosford which is the um, Royal Air Force, the Defence College of Aeronautical Engineering, and schools, and I've guest lectured at Barstar Uni. Dr Tilly Mortimer asked me to do that. That was wonderful. So on the paid side of things, that's what I do. I also founded in 2008 something called Dyslexia Information Day because I realised that whilst I had started taking up an interest in courses and teaching and, and I'd accessed a lot of information, that wasn't actually available to me as a parent. I didn't know where to go get that. So I soon, a year after, well, not even a year after starting the business, I realized that parents were struggling to get information. So twice a year, whenever I can afford to, I will run two information days. And that is as many service providers and information and guidance under one roof as I can get. Um, we have fabulous volunteers who I'm beginning to believe what they say, which is the reason people started helping was because I'd done a free screening test or I'd done a free consultation for somebody and they just wanted to give back and and, and do that. And it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So you're the founder of Dyslexia Information Day. I am, did for short. And then this year, because, you know, that's all sorted and touch wood, it's all going well. This year I'm founding the um, first Dyslexia Awards for our first Dyslexia Awards. So that's to, a bit like yourself, about wanting to um, educate people and inspire them and let them know that things... Um, I like to say that it's trying to let teachers know that they don't have bundles of hell in their classroom, they have bundles of potential. And then trying to let employers know that they have employees with skills that could be really, really good and useful to them in the world of industry. And then just letting the public know that you don't have to do badly just because you're dyslexic, you can do really well. That is a message I'd like to put in a bottle to everybody. To go to the employers that look, don't hire these individuals to be good or nice. Do it because you're going to make more money. Because this is going to be a dedicated employee with unique abilities and skills that you can harness if you give them a little bit of help. And you don't you know, they, they need a little bit of accommodation. They need something. We all need something. Everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, we. that's one of the biggest things I find is, is trying to explain to employers that actually the things you implement for the dyslexics or anybody else that I work with, they actually work for non-dyslexics as well. What do you feel is the 
biggest misunderstanding out there now relative to different brains or neurodiversity? <sighs> lack of understanding, lack of, I suppose people, lack of empathy, and people can only empathize if they experience something. So, you know, I didn't really, I, I felt sorry for people who had heart attacks or family member, people whose family members went through things like that. But until my mum had a heart attack last year, I had no idea of the systems that need to go in place, the work that's involved, the rehabilitation. So until you've been through something, you can't, or you, it, most people tend not to be able to empathise or understand. So that's where training or videos or meeting people talking to them is really important because whichever way somebody learns if we can educate them it will start to change things very well said um are you making any videos at this time ah well yeah we we hope to i watched um many well 10 11 maybe 12 years ago now there was a film called um the unwrapped gift of dyslexia and i again endeavored to make a film that makes me makes the people who watch it feel as that did to me so we we had a meeting last year um with a load of people who were really keen to get involved but it's now just trying to um pin that down to the right person to film it and and get it made so it's hopefully going to be a really inspirational across the generations film because that like you say was it somebody was saying in one of your other videos about um children grow up to be adults and Asperger's autism dyslexia doesn't go away so it's trying to get that cross-generational thing in the film hopefully yeah well I, I think that's very commendable because you know we've inadvertently been discriminating against adults yeah <laughs> um, yeah because it's all been about the kids well the kids grow up and they have to get a job they have to get a life they have to maximize their chance at independence as much as we can and certainly if they go to the dyslexic dyslexia consultant <laughs> in Shropshire, you say the DVD Shropshire. Thing, sure. <laughs> one, of, one of the things I kind of, uh, the last eight years, I decided that actually if I work with the adults and equip the adults with the knowledge and the understanding, then they can work with their children and they can work with the children's schools in order to battle the government or whoever. I'm probably going to get struck down now for all this. <laughs> um, they can battle and get things for their children so if I equip the adults with the tools they can sort it out for their children. Do you have uh, one child or more than one child? Just the one, he's 23. 23. He's also dyslexic and autistic. And tell us, uh, would you mind uh, sharing and telling a little bit about him? Uh, he's fabulous but of course I would say that. <laughs> He, um, it, interestingly, it's only because of him that I got diagnosed because we we went through um, trying to get him diagnosed and I wanted him done before and through the system before he was 18 so that it, it went through the child diagnosis and everything would be in place by the time he went to um, into the world of work. However, we got bounced around the system and that didn't happen. And he saw one psychiatrist who, yeah, well, you've got friends, you've got interests, you can't be. And then we happened to meet a lovely lady called Sarah Heath, who um, was just wonderful. She used to be the Shropshire autism representative, but they cut her post. And then another friend who's got um, 
an, an Aspie husband and children, and she just took me to one side and said, Elle, I think your son might be, because she's known us for a while, um, autistic as well as dyslexic. And I suddenly had an insight as to what my dyslexic parents go through when they're first told their child's dyslexic because I was mortified that I hadn't noticed it. So again, I did lots of research and, and found out about what they meant. that meant. He got bounced around the system. We didn't get him diagnosed, but then we bumped into Sarah Heath, who's founded Autonomy Here because her son's um, autistic. And he basically said to me after seeing the first guy, I'm not doing this anymore. You've got to go first because it'd always be if I could explain things to him, he'd be fine doing anything. So I kind of went, ah, okay then, I'll go first. <laughs> and, did. and it has been the most revolutionary diagnosis, really, because I'm now not so hard on myself. Like doing this with you today, I make sure I've got nothing else on until tomorrow afternoon because I'm going to be absolutely exhausted. I can already feel my head. Oh cave in because it's new and it's it, i mean i'm very excited to talk to you and and honored if i'm honest um but as you understand it's new and exhausting i understand and i hear from my my daughter rebecca because like i i was just um lucky enough to be included to give a couple of workshops at lynn university transitions a couple of weeks ago and they all want to see my daughter rebecca who has spoken in public a few times but she said, Dad, it's just totally draining and exhausting. She's going for her master's in applied psychology. She's tutoring kids with Asperger's. And, you know, she goes, I, I can't, I don't want to do that. We'll do it. She said, why don't you read your own book and do it in chunks, chunk it. And I'll go to the small thing you're doing at a library, and then you can go to the big thing with 600 people. You can gradually get there. And I'm, I'm learning so many things like that that are just, trying to get people comfortable doing what they're doing, you know, and uh, trying to relieve the anxiety. Like at our office, we try to get everybody doing what they like doing yeah. and enjoy doing, and they're good at doing or want to be good at doing, so yeah, it works out pretty well. Um, what's your son's name? Uh, Max. Not that he'll thank me for saying that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I won't say That's it. That's okay. He won't mind. It. Okay, and uh, and he's 23, and he's doing pretty good. He's fabulous, yeah. as you said. Say again? You said he's fabulous. He is absolutely fabulous. I think he would be, um, and I've always thought this, he spots holes in the market. I think any company that trains him up on every section within their business and then can put him anywhere to check where there's faults in the system, he'd be awesome. So the company that realizes he's got that potential, Will have struck on a gold mine. Well, but, you this, know, this, what do I know? I'm just his mother. Well, this company recognizes that. Um, <laughs> how do we get in touch with them? <laughs> well, contact me afterwards. I'll give you his contact details. Okay, all right. That'll be that'll be great. Um, how do people get in touch with you if they need to get in touch with you? I'm sure we have the listeners to our podcast and the viewers of our video cast. And the readers of the transcript will be making of this and the other people who are going to now become aware of you. How do they get in touch with you? Um, either on Twitter. So it's Ellie the DDC at Twitter. And I, I've seen you do this on other videos. So <laughs> I did this. Not that's any good for your podcast, people. And that's really messed the lighting up, hasn't it? OK, I'll leave hold it, it up. Hold it up again. <laughs> Let's see www.thedc.org.uk. 
that's the one. <laughs> okay, all right. That's, that's my main website. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. I got a couple of more questions, though, okay? Can I just say something? Because your, your book has been a bit revolutionary for me, a bit like Dr. Tilly Mortimer's book was for the dyslexia. So uh, as, as I know you're aware, I, I haven't finished the book yet. Um, I am on page 133, um, but I read it chapter at a time and I digest it because I not only digest it for myself as somebody with autism, but I also digest it as a mum of a son with autism and also the daughter of I think two autistic parents or certainly Aspie parents um so it, it's multifunctional and it's been just such a relief to to be able to read something as I did with the dyslexia and go yeah that makes sense so your perspective and your daughter's perspective have just been invaluable really and and the snowflake that you say Rebecca said about that everybody's different is just how I view people so uh, that's been really good for me so thank you well thank you and uh, that is uh, you made my day that's for sure I can't <laughs> wait to tell Rebecca about this I'll tell you um no you know having in, in the Asper Tools book having Rebecca be able to set things straight at the end of a chapter. And Patty Fazzano, who's one of the, the, the great special ed teachers, and she really gets all this stuff too. But, you know, when Rebecca would say things, you know, like they're, they're truth tellers. Well, I know my dad thinks that, but he's all wrong. Here's how it really is. And uh, uh, that's wonderful. We, we really want to provide tools that can help. And... Um, Getting back to that, would an earlier diagnosis for either dyslexia or autism have made your life different, and if so, how? Yes, and, and this is a conversation I have with everybody I work with, every adult, um, is that you go through, as an adult being diagnosed, you go through a very, a bit like a grieving process, First of all, you're relieved, then you get cross and you'd realise the years that you've lost. I mean, part of me wouldn't want to change anything because I love what I do, but maybe I'd have started doing it earlier or maybe I would have more money behind me now and a pension when I'm older. Um, who knows? But I think definitely diagnosis earlier because if for nothing more than understanding myself and being easier on myself, therefore my life is easier, I would have been doing that at a lot earlier age. I just think that I think screenings should be done in school for all these things. Um, and yes, so yes, I do think earlier diagnosis. I think it would save a lot of mental health issues as well. I'm trying to capture in my own brain right now how to best convey this depth of knowledge that you have from such a unique perspective. Um, and I have to say, I'm really going to put my thinking cap on with my brain, what's left of it after <laughs> if the 26 pro heavyweight fights. I don't know how much my brain works. But uh, you are an inspirational gentleman, so please, you, you are in the club. <laughs> well, thank you. I have to say, uh, this has been a tremendous pleasure speaking with you. We've been speaking with Elizabeth Wilkinson, the dyslexic dyslexia consultant over in England, 
and a place in England that I cannot pronounce, but she can. And you can you can get to her. I guess you can Google the dyslexic dyslexia consultant, or you can go to www.theddc.org.uk. Or you can email her at, where could they email you? They can email me at info at theddc.org.uk. That's great. I wish I could talk with your accent. You know, it's, you can say whatever you want. It sounds Yours good. Yours is kind of cool as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except whatever I say sounds bad. Whatever you say sounds good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Whatever you say sounds really positive and encouraging and... Well, I'll tell you what, I, meeting people like you is just, it makes my day. I'm, I just feel so lucky to be meeting, and I'm finding more and more upbeat, positive people going after this. And that's what I'm trying to do, and that's what we're all trying to do at DifferentBrains.com, is to get everyone to be nice to each other and positive and try to stay away from that. You know, stuff that goes on. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You're good. We need people that, that do what you're doing. It's. I think it's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Well, I can't tell you how great it is to meet you. Elizabeth Wilkinson from over in England, the dyslexic dyslexia consultant. And that concludes another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Elizabeth Wilkinson, the dyslexic dyslexia consultant. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.